0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Want we'll to talk about discipleship this morning? Discipleship. Our opening text will be Matthew's gospel, and that's chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, from the English Standard Version Bible. And the scripture says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What a statement. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Notice when he said to go out into the world, they were to evangelize. And as they were evangelizing, they were to make disciples. Not just converts or someone that believes or someone that just goes to church. But make what? Disciples. So what's the goal of evangelism? To make a disciple. Well, what's a Disciple. Well, the goal of our message is to help us better understand what a disciple is according to one of the greatest teachers who ever lived, Jesus. If anyone knows who a disciple is or what a disciple is, it should be him. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about. First of all, let's explain or define discipleship. What does it mean? It means to be a learner. It means to be a student. It means possibly to be an apprentice. Someone who follows the teaching of another with the goal in mind to be changed in their life to basically look like the other person's life or emulate that person's life and so the jews we understand you could say that they were disciples of abraham or moses uh also we understand for example greeks and greek culture there were those that were disciples of socrates plato and also we know that um aristotle actually aristotle was was discipled by Plato we know that Plato was discipled by Socrates and then Alexander the Great was also discipled by Aristotle so you see how it just passes down from one to the next to the next to the next to the next they're passing on what they have and they teach others to follow their example and maybe the other can improve on that but the point is you can see the point of discipleship but then there are apostles and they were students of or disciples of who Christ Jesus. So for three and a half years, Jesus poured himself into them. And when he got done with them, what did he say? Works I do, you're going to do also. And greater than these shall you do because I'm going to my Father. Now you take everything that I put in you, that I've taught you, and you take it and teach it to somebody else. So a disciple is more than someone that just believes. A disciple is a disciplined student who studies under the tutorship of someone else with the intent of being changed by what he teaches so a disciple does more than believe look in john's gospel chapter 8 and this is from the king james version now remember the jews were disciples supposedly of abraham and moses and in this dialogue there's too much there to get into but speaking to these jews that supposedly believed on jesus and he said to them certain things here's here was their response they answered and said unto him abraham is our father see we've been discipled by abraham so we know the truth But Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, discipled by him, you would do. A disciple is a doer. You would do the works of Abraham. And he went on to say to them, you think you're disciples of Abraham? Listen, but you are of your father, the devil. Whoa. He was speaking to Jews, Pharisees, scribes, those that were supposedly taught by Abraham and Moses. And he says, because you see, they taught about me and I'm here to tell you. And if you won't hear me, then you haven't heard them. If you were discipled by them, then you should know they point to me. And so apparently you didn't listen to what they were teaching you. Okay, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. So a disciple strives to emulate the life of the teacher. Notice this. Jesus speaking says, English Standard Version, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, whoa, will be like his teacher. So when he said make a disciple... Discipleship involves what training. So, you're training someone to be like you, he's training someone to be like him. He trained his disciples to be like him and to emulate his life. And so, if they were truly being discipled by Abraham or Moses, then they should be doing exactly what they were taught to do, acting the way that they should act. And Jesus said, A disciple will do that. So, if Jesus once disciples then he's talking about people that will observe his life and learn from him remember he said learn of me and you'll find rest to your souls but then also emulate my life go and do likewise look at James chapter 2 and verse 19 to drive home the point that a believer or a disciple is more than just someone who believes and just says yeah I believe and I go to church once a week thou believest that there is one God thou doest well the devils also believe and tremble so in other words if I'm a believer a true disciple then what? I'm going to sit at the feet of my master and I'm going to learn from him and I'm going to take what I learn and apply it to my life that brings us to point three the goal of the Christian discipleship is what? to conform to the very image of Jesus himself look in the book of Romans chapter 8. Again, English standard version of the Bible. This is the Father's will for all of our lives. Everybody knows verse 28, for we know that all things work to good, uh, to together for good to them that love God, that are called according to his purpose. It's been mis, really misused and abused that scripture. No time to get into that right now, but I have an article out there. You can read it. For those whom he did for know, he also predestinated to be conformed. what? To the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, brothers. So in other words, once again, the believer who is discipled, who is a disciple of Christ. And once again, the terms can go together. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes I think we just say, oh, I'm a believer and I believe and that's all there is to it, but don't know what a disciple is. A disciple then is someone who wants to be conformed to the very image of Jesus. And that's why we're here today, to learn some things. Did you come with the idea that I want to be challenged today? I want to learn some things, whether challenge to disciple other youth or get involved some way in the community and help out with this, that, or whatever, to support a work. But that's why we're here, so we can learn some things and really advance our understanding of God the things of God the things that Jesus taught his disciples so that we can be discipled by him and trained by him so that we can be the people that he wants us to be as we live our lives here upon the earth that's a disciple so you can say it this way and I have that written out for you. A disciple is one who sits at the feet of his master he sits at his feet he listens to what he teaches he observes his life and then he strives to be just like him He doesn't say, oh, that's beyond me and walks away and just says that's for maybe, maybe that's for pastors or prophets or evangelists and all that. No, everyone is to be a disciple, a student, a student of the Lord, to learn from him how to live life, how to conduct ourselves and become the people that he wants us to be, to be trained by him to be effective soul winners in this life as well so that we can disciple other people. So the whole point is, We need to be disciples so that we can disciple other people. Now, remember Mary when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and how Martha went away in a huff and she just said, Now, Lord, my sister there, look, she's doing, I'm working all the work, man. I'm doing the dishes. I'm cleaning the house. I'm getting things ready because you see entertainment back back then was really important to the people, extremely important. Hospitality was extremely important and there was a proper place for it. Now, remember, here's Jesus in your house. How many of you if you knew that Jesus was coming over after church for for a little bit of lunch would say uh, excuse me let me go home for a little bit and get cleaned up and get some things read up in the house and all anybody here might want to do that Uh, yeah because he's coming over right so what does Jesus say to Martha 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 you're so concerned about so many different things I understand hospitality is a big thing and you you want to make the, the proper show but Mary's doing the most important thing what was she doing Sitting at his feet, listening to his words, observing his conduct and character and behavior, and then having an earnest desire to become that kind of person. That's a disciple. That's a true disciple. Now, marks of discipleship. Jesus, once again, is our teacher here today. And he's revealing to us certain marks of discipleship. And mark number one of discipleship, is that you continue in the word of God. Look at John's gospel, chapter 8, again, verse 30. And he spake these words, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Everybody say believed. See, that sounds like a powerful word. They really believed on Jesus, but by the end of the chapter, they were killing him. Oh, my. And there's not time to get into the dialogue that was there. But you read it for yourself. They're on board, man. We believe. By the end of the chapter, stone them, kill them. Wow, that belief was pretty shallow, wouldn't you say? See, that's not really a disciple. But notice this. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him that wanted to stone him at the end of the chapter, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word. I had someone tell me one time, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know from the Bible. And I said, well, then you better dust it off and get it back out. Why would you want to forget it? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And you might forget some things he said to you. Okay? But notice, if you continue in my word, then are you my what? Well, now look at what he just said. A disciple continues in the study of his word. A a, A disciple will truly continue searching the word of God. Like a Berean, to find truth and understanding and revelation. You say, but I learned that. (laughs) I ate a pizza a month ago, too. And two weeks ago. And yesterday. (laughs) It tasted just as good. (laughs) You're getting my point. We got to stay in the Word. And then you're my disciple indeed. See, a disciple will stay in the study of the Word of God. And some people think that well, that's for pastors, that's for preachers or evangelists or people that... No, 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 no. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is life-giving. It is life-changing. It is life Altering It's life nourishing. His words are life to us and health to all of our flesh. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? So Jesus said that a disciple w- would do what? He'll continue in the word. And why look at Luke 6 and verse 36 or 46, Luke 6, 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, or Master? And do not the things which I say so a disciple continues in the word with what motivation to do what he said so now we see a disciple as someone who continues in the word with the understanding that I want to be a doer of it because the storms of life he went on to say in those verses will come to all of us but it's only the doer of the word that will overcome the storm and not be devastated by life's storms they're going to come to all those who hear the word But only the doer of the word will rise up and be victorious over it. And so one is, one mark is that you're a student of the word. And you stay in the word and become disciplined at that. Number two is also a person of love who walks in love. He loves as Christ loved him. And I'll show you the words of Jesus in John 13 verses 34 and 35. Notice what he says here. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Notice, as I have loved you. No, no, no longer as you love yourself, but now he raised the bar. Now it's as I have loved you, because I'm loving you with a love that goes beyond you loving yourself. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know you are what? So who's telling us what a disciple is? Who's giving us marks of discipleship? Jesus. And what does he say? He said, look, by this all men will know that you're my disciple if you have love one to another. Can you see that? And when we learn the love of God, we understand that the love of God, which is agape, divine love of God, it has breadth, it has length, it has depth, and it has light, height. So it's got breadth, length, depth, and height. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. God's love, divine love, has breadth, length, depth, and height. That, the Christ, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Notice, who do we want living in us? Christ, by faith, that you be in rooted and grounded. Rooted if you're a plant, grounded if you're maybe a building. Got a good foundation upon which to live. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Why? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You realize that there is the answer to all of our woes and problems and concerns? You get filled with all the fullness of God. There's no room for anything else. Right? Worry's got to flee. Fear's got to flee. Hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, it's, it's all got to leave. say, what's the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of God's love? Well, we know the God's so loved the world is His breath. He gave His Son the incarnation, that's the length, to what length He would go. That if you believe Him, you won't perish, that's the depth of God's love. But have what? Eternal life. That's the height of God's love, right? But how does that pertain to us? If God so loved the world, and I'm the love as He loved me, I need to love everybody. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter at all. Because we've all been made from one pool of blood. And we've all been saved by one pool of blood. So, the world do I love the world? Do I love everyone in the world? And trust me, even North Koreans' prime minister or whatever he is or whatever, what's his name? Kim, yeah. Do you love (laughs) him? Love your enemies. I could do some more in the back. May have a heart attack before he pushes the button. (laughs) In love. Don't you have to at least really stop and think about that commandment to love as I have loved you. And he says, love the world, everyone that's in it. Because you've got people in your circle of life and influence that probably have hurt you, wronged you, damaged you, or your child or something like that. And it's very difficult to love those kind of people. But he said, love even your enemies. So the breath of God's love means this. No matter where it, that person is in this realm, no matter who that person is, we're to love them with divine love unconditional divine love how would I love this man by praying for him and pray believing that God will surround him with labors of love you want to stop him from pushing that button get him saved praise God get him born again washed in the blood of the lamb he'll change amen even someone from California can change and so can an Italian oh my All right, number three. A disciple is one who bears Christian fruit. Look at John's gospel in chapter 15, verse 8, English Standard Version. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Did you hear that? How am I proving that I'm his disciple? By bearing fruit think about that. We bear fruit. Now we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness. Right? We know that. Against such there is no law. So in other words, the life we have in the Spirit is to come and manifest on the outward side. So he's talking about our conduct, our character, our attitudes, the way we conduct ourselves and live and intermingle with other people. But um, look in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. Keep your conduct among the gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evil doers they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day of visitation so this is a big challenge for a disciple didn't jesus say that the, let your light shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven do you know that they can't see jesus inside you but they can see jesus on the outside of us how we interact with them how we conduct ourselves so in other words when We act in love when they they don't deserve to be loved. That's making a statement that we're a disciple of Christ and we're going to manifest the fruit of the spirit and not let the enemy control us through the flesh and unrenewed mind to conduct ourselves in such a way that is to bring reproach to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the enemy wants to do what? Tarnish your testimony and ruin your witness especially in the workplace where you work, to have you come across in such a way that they, oh, you call yourself a Christian? Look, we get enough of that stuff just by existing, right? But do you call yourself a Christian, you're acting this way, and you're all bent out of shape, and you're Remember, they're watching you. Let your light shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And when they come up to you, other people that are in the workplace come to you and say, I can't believe that you acted that way. And you can say, oh, it's because of Jesus in me. Okay, next, the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. There's a cost. Wait a minute, I thought salvation was free. It is free, but there's a cost of discipleship. And sometimes I think that we neglect that or I don't realize that. Jesus told us to count the cost before we take up our cross to follow him. Did he not teach us that? He taught us that in Luke 14. And so we're going to point out a few things that he taught in, these, in this chapter about discipleship. Okay, look, first of all, relationships relationships it may cost us relationships Luke 14 and look at the verse verse 25 and 26 and there went out great multitudes with him and he turned and said to them if any man come to me and hate not his father his mother his wife his children his brethren and sisters yea and his own life he cannot be my what my disciple whoa wait a minute what's he teaching us relationships let's see in our western mentality and culture it might be difficult for us to understand what he's saying here but if you were a jewish person at the time when he spoke these words and you were going to commit yourself to christ and you were going to renounce judaism and become a christian Your father would be against you. Your mother would be against you. Your brothers would be against you. Your sisters would be against you. People in the synagogue would be against you. And guess what? You might suffer some kind of persecution, if not death. Was Saul of Tarsus not throwing people in jail and having them beheaded or or killed or burned at the stake or fed the lions? Right. So what's he saying? Hey, you might get attacked by your mother, your father, whatever. But you know what? You got to put me above all that. When God called me to leave, and this is not, no, no comparison, but when call, God called me to leave Youngstown, Ohio, and go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, it meant uprooting and leaving everybody, all my family, behind. I had to make a decision. Do I flow with God, follow God's will, or do I stay here so I can be with my family? You might, and I had all of them saying, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. I had my, uh, my boss saying, don't go, don't go, take a leave of absence. we want you to come back. And so on. And so sometimes we got to make a decision to say, I might, it costs me some relationships. And what about this one? Who do you hang with? Evil communications corrupt good manners. Who do you hang with? Especially to a younger person. It's going to be popular, especially like in high school and all that. You know, you're hanging with the guys. When my Dante played football, there were, I I, I, I was sometimes, um, kids, friends shunning him that were friends at first, but when they found his convictions, they shunned him. They would actually walk around the the track. This is when other games are being played, and they'll walk away from him. You know why? Two words, no compromise, because he didn't compromise. He wasn't going to do the things that they did. If it meant him losing that, but guess what? God still made him popular in the eyes of many other people. He didn't have to hang with people that didn't serve God or walk with God to be popular do you see that you might lose it might cost you relationships but that's okay you're a disciple of Christ secondly uh personal goals and aspirations look at the next verse verse 27 let's put it in context now so whosoever he says doesn't bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple and, you know, sometimes I, you hear people say, this is my cross to bear. I got this pain in my leg. It's my cross to bear. No, he's not talking about the pain in your leg being your cross to bear. It's talking about committing your life to him. You live a crucified life. It's more than a pain in my leg. Because, you see, a crucified person, he faces one way. Whatever way he's facing on that cross, that's the way he faces and the crucified person can't go back to anything. The crucified person has no future to look forward to. He's being crucified. So what is he saying? Remember, Paul said in Galatians, look at this verse two twenty. I believe it is English Standard Version. I've been, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me and the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what he's saying about take up your cross, he's talking about submitting yourself to him to crucify who you are under the water of baptism. And you come up out of the water and you're alive to Christ. And so in other words, I'm living for you now, not for me. And that's a whole lot more than a pain in my leg. I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live I'm serving him I'm walking with him I'm honoring him and I'm making decisions that will glorify him so I might have to give up my aspirations going to Hawaii and and making snow cones shucks I was going to ask him if I can go I'm (laughs) I'm not wearing a grass skirt and I'm not going to sing either look at the next one. There's a cost to building. Did you know that? Look in Luke's gospel 14 back there again and look at verses 28 to 30. Now Jesus is talking about discipleship in this chapter and look what he says. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish it, finish it all that behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. So in other words, he is saying, count the cost of discipleship. You say you want to follow me. And remember, we're looking at this from the Western mentality again. You want to say you're following me? Your father might turn you over to the authorities to be killed. Your mother might turn you over. Your sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and cousins might turn you over uh, to be killed or to be persecuted or tortured until you come back into Judaism. Now, what does Jesus say? Count the cost. There's a cost to anything and everything. Can you finish it? Do you remember the book of Hebrews was written for what reason? They were turning back and going into Judaism. And what did Paul say? We're not those that turn back. A crucified man doesn't turn back. But we're going on, praise God, not back to perdition, but to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm focused. I set my face like a flint. I'm going all the way with God. So a disciple is one that makes a decision that says, it doesn't matter what the cost is. If they want to walk away from me, friends, let them walk away from me. If I'm going to lose family because of it, I'm sorry. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to spend my eternity in a lake of fire where the worm dies not and the fire never quests because you want me to be with you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fulfill my aspirations and dreams and set aside his for my life. You've heard me say many times before, I would have never selected me to be this preacher. Never. I've run a mail crane. What do I know about lifting people up? I can lift up things. Next, war has a cost. And this one, oh my goodness, war has a cost. Uh, look at the next uh, verses. There's a, a price, but war has a cost. Verses 31 and 32. Or what king going to make war against another king Sitteth not down first and consulteth Whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him That cometh against him with 20,000 Or else while the other is yet a great way off He sends an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace And so in other words You sit down and evaluate the situation There's a war here that's going on And did you know there's a war that's going on today? Yeah, it's a spiritual warfare that's taking place in, In the realm of the spirit right now there are those that are vying for our eternity in the lake of fire, and those that are vying for us to be with God forever. Mm-hmm. So he says, in other words, you sit down and count the cost because it's war. Some people think he's talking about warring with Satan, but I'm telling you something right now, see how this sets with you. Count the cost and determine whether or not you can overcome God. We're at war. God wants us on his side. But those that think, I'm going to take care of it myself, you're in a warfare. You're going to side with the enemy. You're going to be an enemy of God, or you're going to make peace with God before the time comes. I don't know about you, but thank God he sent Jesus to give us peace with the Father and by faith, we're justified. We have, because of faith, we have, we're just, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm making peace. I'm the one with a little bit on this side, and he's the one with so much on that side. I'm not going to war with God. The person that says, I got my way, I'm going to do it my way. That's, you know, Frank Sinatra's number one song in a pit of, you know, where he did it my, I did it my way. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to make peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ and just say, I will serve you all the days of my life. I will honor you. I will live for you. And no matter what anything else happens in this life, it doesn't matter what anybody else does, I choose to live for you. I'm making peace with you. And look at the last one. Look at the last one in verse 33. It might cost everything. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all, that he hath... He cannot be my disciple. Whoa. Did you hear that? In other words, I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. I'm giving myself completely to you. Everything that I have, all that I stand for, all that I am, I'm turning it over to you. This is a little bit more than just say I believe, wouldn't you say? A disciple is more than just someone who believes. Because see, if all I say is I believe, that's great. But the devil, devils believe and they tremble. My responsibility is to reveal to us and share with us the truth of God's word. And I know that sometimes it's going to, you know, really challenge us, which I believe this will challenge us, to evaluate our own walk with God. Now, as a disciple, if I got to forsake all, and you know what? Once again, that means he's first. No gods before me. Didn't he say that? No images before me. Did he say, don't take my name and use it in vain? And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Those first four commandments are the ones that he gave us in our relationship with him, in our reaction to what he wants us to do for him. But then the rest, the last six, talk about our relationships with people, social relationships. Don't honor your parents. First of all, honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness, right? Don't covet those last six things. So in other words... He wants us to honor him by living our lives for him. And if we've got to forsake all the way we think, then forsake it. When I, like I told you, when I left, I'm, I'm honest I with was, you, I was scared at first. You leave the comforts of your home, your family, your job, and you're going across country to a school that you know nothing about. And you have to make a decision Are you willing to forsake all and give up all for him? Do you remember the rich young ruler? He said to, to Jesus, Well, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He said, You know the laws. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've done this since I was a youth. I've grown up doing all this stuff. He said, well, you lack one thing. What is that? Sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. He went away sad because there was something that he was holding back. He was wealthy. You See, he did not know this. Jesus did not say this. And he should have studied it out to find out for himself and learned this truth. There's no man that forsakes father, mother, lands, home, Vineyards, possessions, that if you give it up for him, you receive back in this life and in the, in the eternal life and the life that's to come. So there's no man that makes a decision to forsake all for Jesus not, that does not get rewarded in this life. And that brings us to our last point. We'll do this quickly. The rewards. The rewards uh, of, of discipleship. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is English standard version. Have nothing to do with the irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I like the way that states that. There's nothing wrong with physical training. It's a wonderful thing. It's helpful to us while we live in this physical body. Oh, but I don't know about you. You know, I've always, I've always trained all my life. I've exercised and worked out. I played football, ran track, all that stuff all my life. And, and, you know, still go down to the Y and exercise and do all that stuff. But I've noticed that my body, you know, as I get a little bit more mature at age 65, doesn't seem to respond like it did when I was 25. Even though I'm still talking to it. Okay? So it does profit for a little while, means while you're in the body. But aren't you longing for a day when this bag of bones meets the glory of God, is glorified and changed, never to have a pain ever again, never to be sick ever again? There's a promise of the life that now is, praise God, never an issue think about it amen and the life that is to come so let's start with the life that is to come first of all our future future blessings what did paul say look what paul said in second timothy he talked about god you know god, godliness that provides for us in this life and life to come i have fought a good fight it's going to be a fight it's warfare i have finished my course i've been on course with god ever since i came to him and got off that road to damascus i have kept the faith Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day and not only to not to be only but unto them also all them also that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? You looking for him to come again in the clouds? Are you waiting that day that the graves will open dead and Christ will rise and you'll be glorified. Are you waiting for that? Are you living, living for that? hallelujah sure we all should be but notice there is a reward waiting for you on the other side there's the victor's crown of righteousness there's a crown of life there's a crown of glory there's the overcomers crown that he's going to receive and that's found in in first corinthians look at that chapter nine so you got the crown of rejoicing the crown of glory the crown of life the crown of righteousness and the crown of overcoming but notice this in light of what we're teaching about discipleship and the price that we have to pay the cost there's a price you have to pay to be physically fit wouldn't you say has to deal with both diet and exercise and all that, right? Okay. You don't win gold medals or win the Tough mutter just because uh, you want to. You know, Brother Chris is so kind. He had an extra ticket and he offered it to me. And I said, run that by my wife and let me know what you hear. I won't say any more. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives a prize, so run that you may obtain. Every man that strives to be like Jesus, for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we in incorruptible crown, if therefore so run, not, I therefore run so not as, certainly so fight not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my, there it is. I slap my body silly, and bring it under subjection. lest by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He understood his body would get in the way. He knew his unrenewed mind would get in the way, right? So in other words, if we want the crown of overcoming, there's something we have to do as a disciple. It's going to cost us not, let's say, a membership of the why, but it's going to cost us to deal with this flesh, crucify it, that wants to do its own thing, have its own way, and say, uh-uh. I'm not doing it. I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to follow you. Because we don't want to go where the flesh is going to go. If we obey it. So can you see that there is a cost of discipleship? And there's rewards. Look at Revelation. Now this I want us to read. I promise you I'm almost done. <clears throat> this is your eternal reward. And I saw new heaven and earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And he said unto me, it is done. I'm Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers and idolaters and liars shall have their part in the lake of f- which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'd rather have the eternal reward than the eternal demerit what about you? so young person out there in particular as well remember this It may seem like you're sacrificing a lot, that you're giving up a lot, that it's costing you a lot to to walk away from people that are going to take you down a wrong road and all that, or professors that tell you that God doesn't exist and, and the list goes on and on and on. But I want you to know something. There is a reward for you on the other side in glory. You stay fixed. You stay with God. You walk with Jesus all the days of your life. You be discipled and then be a disciple disciple others. And there's going to be a reward for you on the other side in glory as you walk on those streets of gold and rejoice in the presence of the Most High God. No sorrow, no pain, no sickness no disease no former things are gone away and while you're celebrating that all the others are going to be you don't know one or where last one presenting or or present blessings uh if this doesn't bless you get a new blesser you're ready for it second corinthians chapter six verses 17 and 18 king james version wherefore come out from among them be separate says the lord Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You want to hear about present blessings? I know what I do for my children as a father, and I think my son Dante will testify, and even my nephew here, Dominic, the things I do for my family. But I am just me, flesh and bone, blood and all that. But you know what? There's anything I wouldn't do for them. But when you walk around and you start saying, I'm choosing to serve the living God and walk with him and be a disciple of Christ, because why? I want his presence, his power, his peace, his promises, his provision, his protection. And he said he will live in me and walk with me and be my God and I'll be his son. He'll take care of me while I live my life upon this earth. I have no worries, no fears, no cares, no concerns. Because why? He is my God, active and alive and moving in my life. You talk about a present reward for serving Him, it goes, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So we have that assurance. And then what about the blessed assurance we sing about? Look at 1 John 5:13. the assurance of salvation. I have, I can live my life, you can live your life with the assurance of salvation. In other words, I know I'm not going to a lake of fire where the worm dies and the fire is never quenched. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I know, I know, I know, I know I have eternal life. It's a no so belief that we have. I grew up in religion for 24 years. I never heard you must be born again. I was taught and trained that one day when I die, I'm going to go to a place where I will suffer for my sins for an amount of time that I didn't know when I would get out. You think about it. I'd go around soliciting people. Hey, when I die, pray for me. Hey, when I die, pray for me. Hey, when I die, pray for me. Why? Because I didn't know how many prayers it would take to get me out of that awful place of suffering. Since I got born again, I found out that place doesn't exist because there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty states. He went there for me. He suffered for me. He paid the price for me. All I got to do is say yes to Jesus and love him and serve him. And from that time on, I've been having a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I know about you, but thank God we're saved washing the blood of the Lamb. So what's a true disciple? Someone that says, I believe in Jesus. I'm making my Savior. I don't just go to church once a month, once a week, th- once a year. Tw- that's, not, that's not being a disciple. I love him every day of my life. I study his word. I pray. I serve him. I honor him. I love people. Praise God. I'm going to continue in the word of God, and I'm going to see to it that I bear Christian fruit. That is a disciple of Christ. Sit at his feet until I be- begin to re- receive everything that he has, and then take it and give it back to other people. Let's stand before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others.